Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. In the old 1956 movie adaptation of Moby Dick, there's this scene where one of the shipmates who's on the lookout for the great white whale calls out, Everybody goes to the side of the deck to look at it, and they're not really sure whether it's real. You see it too? Aye, we all see it. But that don't mean it's real, necessarily. So they get on some little rowboats and head out onto the open water to get closer to it. He's very near. Be ready for him. Eventually, the whale blasts out of the water, just for a moment. But then, he's gone. And just like that, they lost him. So what's the great white whale of American politics? I'm here to talk about one of the plans that I put forward in my State of the Union address. A plan to put people back to work rebuilding America. We have to build roads, we have to build highways. We're talking about a very major infrastructure bill of a trillion dollars, perhaps even more. Some of the biggest infrastructure advocates I know just don't see it happening ever because it's just something that Congress likes to talk about and never, ever does. We Democrats want to work with the president and our Republican colleagues on infrastructure. But we want to do it in a real way that actually produces results. Experts agree that America's aging infrastructure needs a lot of help. But the answer is not simply to throw new money at old problems. Would you say a massive infrastructure bill is kind of like the great white whale of contemporary American politics? That's a great way to put it, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... I'm Tanya Snyder. I'm a transportation reporter at Politico. Tanya Snyder on whether President Biden stands any chance of getting a big plan to fix the nation's infrastructure passed. A new plan for rebuilding and modernizing America's roads and rails and runways for the long term. President Obama promised to spend hundreds of billions of dollars on an infrastructure plan. This will not only create jobs immediately, it's also going to make our economy hum over the long haul. The proposal would rebuild 150,000 miles of roads, construct 4,000 miles of rail, and reconstruct 150 miles of runway, as well as modernizing the air traffic control system. But in the end, when it came to even just a simple routine reauthorization of the surface transportation programs, highways, transit, things like that, he refused to get behind an increase in the gas tax, which was really necessary to increase funding at that point. At a briefing on the president's budget this week, White House advisors outlined their plan to raise money for transportation projects with a one-time tax on the profits that U.S. corporations have amassed overseas. 
That prompted a question from a Washington Post editorial writer named Steven Stromberg. Why not just raise the gas tax? Officials replied that President Obama has no plans to raise the gas tax. And that was really the beginning of the crisis that we've found ourselves in for the last now 12 years because... There's just been this political unwillingness to actually raise the money. And so that's where we've been, really, since then. This is not just any old Friday. This is the dramatic conclusion of Donald Trump's infrastructure week. Through Trump and, and one could argue, still now. You remember that during the campaign, Donald Trump promised to spend a trillion dollars, that's trillion with an N on the end, a trillion dollars for infrastructure, but now he's changed that to 200 billion. Um, There is just no consensus on how to pay for a bill, although everybody wants to do one. Mm -hmm. Everybody, including Biden, I'm guessing, what exactly has he said he wants to do when it comes to infrastructure? What what was his message on the campaign trail about his infrastructure plans? His policy changed in the middle of his campaign because of COVID. Um, So it included, for example, a rescue plan for the auto industry. We're going to make it easy for American consumers to switch to electric vehicles. We're going to build on all the new infrastructure we're going to build on highways. We're going to build a network of 500,000 charging stations across America, providing prevailing wage jobs for the IBW and other craftsmen. This will mean, listen to me now, one million new jobs in the American automobile industry. Um, It includes uh, a major increase in um, transit access for low-income communities. Uh, It includes a, a real focus on clean transportation and clean energy. When I think about climate change, The word I think of is jobs, good paying, union jobs that have put Americans to work, work, making the air cleaner for our kids to breathe, restoring our crumbling roads and bridges and ports, making it faster, cheaper and cleaner to transport American-made goods all across the country and around the world. His infrastructure plan is not just transportation, it's everything. It's, you know, broadband and water and all kinds of things. The House put out last summer and voted on last summer a huge, very ambitious um, infrastructure plan that also goes well beyond transportation. Before us today is a long overdue transportation, comprehensive 21st century, the first 21st century transportation bill that moves beyond the Eisenhower era and just reauthorizing the same old programs all the time. This is landmark legislation that would make investments not only in highways, transit, and bridges, but also for schools and housing. But it barely got any Republican votes at all. I rise in opposition to H.R. 2 because we need to put an end to the highway robbery before us. The Transportation and Infrastructure Committee has a long history of bipartisan cooperation. However, after the Democrats' power grab in this year's highway funding bill, that's sadly no longer the case. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the Senate 
comes up with, I think that the process in the Senate is going to be much more bipartisan. So it'll be interesting to see what they can agree on. Now with the Democrats in charge, they passed a bill in 2019, again, just for surface transportation that was enormously bipartisan and popular, but a lot less ambitious than what Democrats are hoping for. The Biden administration has really put equity and climate at the center of their of everything they do in the administration at every level. And so I think that the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress would be pretty disappointed if they came up with a status quo bill that didn't really move the ball forward on those issues. So what's the next step here for Biden? Does he push something like what the House passed last year, even though it doesn't have Republican support? Or could there be something better that comes up in the Senate? Does he put together his his own proposal? What does he do here? First of all, the idea that he would really go forward with an infrastructure plan, certainly one that includes a lot of surface transportation, which would normally be at the heart of any kind of infrastructure investment package, while the Senate is still crafting their surface transportation plans, um, seems like putting the cart before the horse. They could just crib from what the House has, but the House's bill is very partisan, doesn't have a lot of bipartisan buy-in. They could move it through reconciliation. Bernie Sanders says he'd like to. His uh, neighbor in Vermont, Pat Leahy, at the Appropriations Committee says he would rather not. It's also unclear whether the White House will come forward with an actual legislative proposal or just lean on the Congress to do the actual legislative writing and more set forth some pillars and general principles or visions for an infrastructure plan. At the end of the day, do you think Biden is going to be able to do this? Because this is one of those rare issues where where you do have bipartisan support, right? In, in theory, at least. Is Biden going to be able to find a way to to channel that and get the great white whale? I certainly think he would like to. um, But I also think that Obama would have liked to. And I think that Trump would have liked to. Um, There's going to need to be some serious reckoning on paying for it, which is just I, I mean, I guess it's bipartisan in that neither side can agree on uh, a way to pay for it. Um, Democrats have talked recently about repealing the Republican tax cuts from 2017 to pay for it. That's obviously not going to go anywhere with Republicans. Joe Manchin recently floated a value-added tax. I'm not sure there's much traction behind that. But there's just going to need to be some kind of consensus around some way to pay for it or not pay for it and just say we're willing to do deficit financing on this. But there is no such consensus anywhere. And I think that even the traction that some ideas had at some point has evaporated uh, in the wake of the pandemic and the economic downturn. Tanya Snyder. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. This is fun. Also today, President Biden says there will be enough coronavirus vaccines available for every American adult by the end of May. In an announcement on Tuesday, Biden said the new target, which is two months earlier than anticipated, is due in part to the drug maker Merck's agreement to help produce Johnson & Johnson's newly approved shot. 
Public health officials and state leaders say that J&J's vaccine, which is single dose, unlike Pfizer and Moderna, could play a critical role in vaccinating millions of skeptical or hard-to-reach people. And the Labor Department's independent watchdog is recommending that federal workplace regulators consider issuing coronavirus safety rules that employers would be required to follow. In a report released on Tuesday, the department's inspector general said legally mandatory rules from the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, quote, could be of importance because it's extremely difficult for the agency to cite employers for safety risks without them. OSHA has already issued COVID guidance under a January executive order from Biden and published numerous documents detailing ways that employers can protect their workers from exposure. But the guidelines are not enforceable and do not require companies to comply. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing and want to help us out, you can do that by leaving a rating and review in your favorite podcast app and by telling a friend to check out the show. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.